0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Me, You, Us, a well-being podcast. It's another Well-Being Wednesday here at Consumers Energy, and I'm your host, Bill Krieger. Today, my guest is Leroy Wells. He's the Senior Vice President of Operations at Consumers Energy. So, Leroy, if you'd introduce yourself, we'll get the conversation started.
1: Well, good morning, Bill, and its I'm glad to be here again. Leroy Wells, Senior Vice President of Operations. Um, I've been with the company for about 16 years, and so been in a number of different locations and jobs,
0: and we'll talk a little bit about that here shortly. So, Leroy, married, kids, what's that situation look like?
1: That's a, Yes, um, that's a great question. I am married. Um, many of you may know my uh, wife, Monique Wells. She worked for the company for a while here. We are blessed to have uh, four children, three girls and one boy, Layla, Aliyah. Leroy third and Elise. Um, they're in high school, middle school, and two in elementary. So we're, we stay pretty
0: busy. <laughs> <laughs> Not a whole lot of spare time at the Wells household. Not you know, at all. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm embarrassed to say so. I've known you for a while. So if the, the audience doesn't know. Uh, Leroy and I worked together back in my electric operation days, and I've known Leroy for, for quite a while. And I interviewed Monique for the podcast. And I had not made the connection Monique Wells was married to Leroy Wells until we started talking. And I was like, wait a minute, you're married to Leroy, aren't you? So it was, it was kind of an interesting <laughs> conversation for me anyway. So here you are in operations, uh, but you are an engineer by training. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how you kind of got from Uh, You graduated high school. You went to, I believe it's Michigan Tech, if I'm not mistaken. And now you're a senior vice president of operations. What did that path look like? You are correct.
1: Um, I did graduate from Michigan Tech. Um, I'm born and raised in Flint, Michigan. I graduated from Flint Southwestern Academy. Fortunate enough to play some sports there. I played a little basketball and football with a couple of famous uh, basketball players. And I played uh, college football at Michigan Tech where I met my wife, and I obtained an electrical engineering uh, degree there. So that was really the start. And um, really upon graduation in 2001, if you remember, I graduated in uh, the winter, and that was the really the attack on our uh, the World Trade Center in New York. And so very trying times, uh, graduating there. I had a couple internships with General Motors, and I was looking forward to actually uh, working for General Motors. Um, But based on that attack on our World Trade Center, they had a hiring freeze. And so I was in a little bit of a dilemma there. And after graduating, it was about eight months before I was able to find employment. Um, And so uh, a lot of time to think (laughs) and to process, like, what am I going to do next? But uh, I was fortunate enough to find employment with Iminko corporations out of Midland down uh, the Midland. And from there, um, I moved to Johnson controls, uh, for about three years where I was a residence engineer. And that's where I gained my, uh, lean engineering or lean experience there. And I was talking to a friend in 2005, um, Jason Sharp, actually the late Jason Sharp, he worked over at the Campbell facility. Um, But he was telling me how great Consumers Energy was. And I said, wow, they invest in their people and it's as great as he says it is. I want to be a part of that company. And so I started to interview um, with a couple people there in our um, J.R. Whiting facility as an electrical system owner. Um, and so that's where I started in two thousand and six, um, at just just in our writing uh, facility.
0: So, what attracted you to engineering as a as a as a skill and a and a trade? I mean, everybody has a reason for doing what they do, but what attracted you to engineering? Well, there's a, a couple things
1: um, that attracted me to engineering. I love the science and math all through school. Those were my favorite subjects, and so. um, You wouldn't believe this, but you take these personality tests and they tell you, you know, what you will be good at during uh, your career. And two things. It was either a professor or an engineer. So (laughs) I trusted uh, that survey and um, really launched my, my love for engineering and decided to become an electrical engineer.
0: Okay, well, that and that makes sense. You know, I took those personality tests, too. I'm not sure I should be where I'm at, but uh, we'll uh, <laughs> save that for a different discussion, I guess.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so a friend of yours referred you over here to Consumers Energy, and uh, you came to work here. And um, how was that experience for you, and um, how did you kind of make the jump? Because we talked before the podcast that uh, really you're engin- you have an engineering Training and background, but you're you've been in operations for a long time. Yes, um, I have been in, a, in operations for quite a
1: while, and I really love the operations. I kind of uh, credit that to my uncle. He is a business owner there locally in Flint, and he ran a local garage, and so I worked there early in my life um, and fell in love with the uh, production um, there. And so my heart is definitely um, with operations. But I started as electrical system owner, which is really close to operations, and it's a mix of engineering. And so I had the best of both worlds. From there, I then started to supervise the instrumentation and controls group and the electrical maintenance group. And that's when I fell in love with, with leadership. Um, it was a great bunch there at the Whiting facility. And um, there's this one project that really is critical to my growth as a leader. And so we had a, uh, it was with the electrical maintenance group. And they really wanted to take on a project during an outage. Uh, so, in, in these generating facilities, there's these things called outages that, uh, that we do work and prepare for the high peak load season. And there's this project with the dumper. And if you can imagine, We're going into clean energy, but back in the day, (laughs) we use uh, fossil fuels, and uh, it was a job to rewire and to automate the dumping process, and we had contracted it out. They wanted to do it in-house, and they asked for the work, and I said, hey, if you guys want this work and we can do it on time, under budget, and you won't give me any problems, we'll go get that work for you. And they promised me that I got the work done and they came in ahead of schedule and under budget. And that taught me a lot about caring, listening and uh, standing up for our, our coworkers.
0: you know, I find Leroy, especially here, cause I have worked in some different places, spent some time in the military, but with our folks that, uh, that do the hard work, if you put a challenge out in front of them or uh, they come to you and say, Hey, we want to do this. They're going to do it. Like, They're going to get it done. They're going to do it safe. And like you said, under budget and on time, two very important words, especially when it comes to operations. We have a great
1: culture of ownership here at Consumers Energy, to your point. When there's a challenge out there, we all band together and we go address that uh, challenge. And that's one thing that I've found to be very different, too, from other jobs and industries that I've worked in.
0: Well, and, uh, you know, the other thing is, is uh, leadership style has a lot to do with that, too, especially when you're in operations. It sometimes takes a certain um, type of leadership. What would you describe as your leadership style?
1: I would say um, my leadership style would be um, really a servant leadership. And when I think about servant leadership, I think about a leader that is present, and that listens to the organization and provide what the organization needs. And, um, so that, that, that's what I would say. My leadership is, is a servant leadership and more now than ever. When I think about well-being, we need leaders that are present. Um, and really listening, not only to the words, but also to the body language, um, and to the emotion of uh, their their coworkers or the group that they're leading, and and it's a challenge, right? When you think about remote work and not being there physically, um, I think there's a great value to be in there physically, um, as I definitely try to do uh, multiple times a week.
0: And that and that can be tough, especially uh, in in these times. But uh, what I also hear from what you're saying is you don't just listen, but like you take that and you take action on what you're hearing, um, which is uh, very important as well. And I've watched it uh, when you and I work together. And it's uh, so important because people want to be heard, but they want to know that what you heard them say has some action to it, whether you uh, agree with them and, 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 and give people what they want or you disagree, but you explain the why.
1: Yes, no, I think that's critical um, to your point. Um, Not only being present and listening, but as the saying goes, actions speak louder than words. And to your point, um, that doesn't always mean you'll give them the answer they want to hear, but to follow up and give them the answer that is true, uh, speaks volumes and it creates
0: a, a an organization that trusts, um, trusts you as the leader. And if they're trusting their leader, uh, even when there's a disagreement, they know that uh, they can trust the reasons why they, you're disagreeing. So uh, I couldn't agree more with that whole uh, uh, outline there. So you, uh, we talk about safety a lot here at Consumers Energy, but we don't just talk about it, we actually act on it. And one of the things that's uh, important with safety is personal well-being. And and you mentioned uh, well-being and not just hearing what people are saying, but kind of watching how they're saying it so you can get a a whole picture there. Um, You know, as leaders, we make sure that our folks have what they need to be safe. And we uh, make sure that they're getting what they need to have personal well-being, whether it's, you know, they're they're having financial difficulties or they're having uh, struggles in the emotional area or whatever Whatever a struggle they're having, I think as leaders, we're always looking for ways to help them through that. But many times as leaders, we forget to take care of ourselves. So what are some of the things that you do to practice self-care? And how important is that for you to practice self-care?
1: Bill, that is um, a great question. And sometimes as leaders, <laughs> we forget to take care of ourselves um, because our our heart is to really serve our teams and to serve the the purpose. Um, And I will have to say that I'm guilty of of not listening to, um, to myself or my body. Um, And one, one time comes to mind is in 2016 and there was a lot going on and I lost my father in 2016, which was a huge loss uh, to me as most people um, father is that hero, the sign of strength. Um, and my father was definitely that. He was also a veteran, um, and so I definitely honor him in that space as well. But during that time, I didn't listen to my body, and I kept going and going and going. And you know, I was promoted. And when you don't listen to your body, your body will speak louder. And I will tell you, um, physically and emotionally, I was drained. And really, my body shut down, and I was literally sick for a week. And I kept trying to push it. I would get up. I remember this one day, um, I got up. Yep, I'll be in there. Got dressed, and I jumped in my car. And I couldn't make it to the end of the road, um, to the stop sign. I had to turn back around because my body said, we're done. You need to rest. And so in that time, in that moment, I made a commitment to myself that when my body speaks, I'm going to listen. Um, and I had to trust that things will be okay, um, even if I took that moment to rest, whether it was a day, two days of vacation, um, and gave myself permission as a leader to care for myself. And so um, It's really important as leaders to listen to your body. And actually, as a leader, we have to show our teams that it's okay for them to take the time for well-being, both uh, mental and
0: physical well-being. Leading by example. And I find that if I give myself permission, it's, it's a lot easier to give other people permission, too, because it's hardest to give myself permission. I totally get that. Now, something that we didn't talk about and something that's not in the briefing memo, but you uh, you brought up your father. And uh, it, I know what you mean about your father being your hero, because my father's my hero and my son has told me that I'm his hero, which has made me cry quite often. Would you mind talking a little bit about who your dad was and how he impacted your life? And I would just like to hear about him. <laughs> Yes, no, thanks
1: for for asking, and I might share some tears here myself, Bill. So, yes, but my father was, I would say, a a man of faith, and um, that's where I um, really started my journey of faith. Um, He was a minister, um, and I remember he was preaching a sermon one day at church, and I was like six years old. It was like five or six. (laughs) And um, that's where uh, my faith grew. And um, after that um, sermon, I told him I wanted to be saved. Um, And and that's really where my admiration for my father started as a young uh, child. But then he was also a strong person, and he also was a person of love. And he taught me to love people the same, no matter who they are, where they come from, what they have or don't have. And so I really credit my um, father for my heart and my servant uh, leader's heart. Um, and so, again, that's why he's my hero. Um, he had uh, other attributes about him, but really, he was one that started my faith and then also my love for people and my heart to
0: serve people. That's an incredible story. What was it like as a child to see your dad as a minister leading that flock, right? Leading those people, well, that must've been pretty amazing to see.
1: It was definitely um, amazing to see. It was a smaller flock. Um, however, his heart and, and that reach, um, reached beyond even the flock that he had Um, And so, growing up, watching that, um, and also knowing that he was uh, a veteran um, in the Army, and he served in Vietnam, was also um, admirable and showed his strength uh, as well. And so, we grew up in a very, I would say, disciplined household, um, and he shared a couple things with me that stuck with me. It was really the three Ds, and I really... Uh, carry that with me. And it's really around discipline, determination, and dedication. And anything that you're willing to take on, that you should face them with those three Ds. And that's kind of what I've patterned my my life after. And any task or commitment that I make, I like to live those
0: three out. And I can see that. And it's interesting because if I do, if I kind of do that comparison of a, a military man and a minister, kind of that three Ds really fits both areas of life and, uh, without discipline, uh, it can be very difficult to be successful. My, uh, my stepfather was a Marine. We lost him, um, gosh, two and a half years ago now. Uh, but I tell people, you know, I not only learned how to make uh, hospital corners when I made my bed, because there was an inspection, believe me, <laughs> but I learned all kinds of great life lessons from, from him as well as I can hear in your voice that you have from your father. So, uh, I, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. We didn't we didn't really talk about that ahead of time, <laughs> but, but, man, dads are so important to us. But we are getting close to the end of the podcast itself. And uh, before we go, I'd like to know what message you would like the audience to take away from this discussion. Yes, um, I would definitely
1: like the audience to take from this discussion that um, leaders are not exempt from the need to take care of themselves. Sometimes as leaders, when things are challenging, we think we can continue to push through and push through and push through. But I would just like to encourage all, including our leaders, to listen to yourself. And when your body and your mind tells you you need to take a break, take that break. And think everything will be okay because all that leadership energy that you've invested in a team will return a harvest. And it really shows your team that in turn they can take care of themselves as well. And without a well person, you as the leader and as the individual, the rest of the team will not be well um, either. And so please take that time to listen to yourself in the midst of all these changes, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's the workload, take the time to
0: recharge, and you'll be better for it. I like that. Listen to your body, and not only listen to your body, but act upon what your body's telling you and be an example for those who are around you. I appreciate that uh, message, Leroy. I appreciate you taking time out to be on the podcast today, and uh, hopefully we can sit down again soon and, and have another talk. Sounds like a plan. Thank you so much, Bill, for your time. And thank you to the audience for tuning in today. Remember, you can find the Me, You, Us podcast on all podcasting platforms. So be sure to subscribe, like, and comment on the podcast today. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please be sure and contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That number is 1-800-273-8255. That's one 800 273 8255. They can also be found at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. And remember to tune in every Wednesday as we talk about the things that impact your personal well-being.